Welcome to New Game Netcast, the official podcast of NewGameNetwork.com. This is episode 12 for Sunday, September 2nd, 2012, the finale of season 1. Today on the show, top news like Diablo 3 Paragon System, EA Sports 2012 season ticket, PlayStation collections, Call of Duty Black Ops 2 Special Edition, and Secret World sales. Article recap includes Counter-Strike Global Offensive, Darksiders 2, and Frozen Synapse. In industry news, we've got Ubisoft claiming high PC piracy rate, City of Heroes studio shutting down, teams colluding in MLG, and Steam Greenlight launching. We also get the first look at Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes and the potential film, as well as the launch of Guild Wars 2. Stay tuned for the question of the episode. So this is New Game Netcast, and it's for Sunday, the 2nd of September, and joining us today we have Alex, the site's admin guy. Hello. We've got uh, Evan Witt, reviewer. Hey, hey, hey! And we've got the sultry tones of Tim. Oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, we'll be discussing some top news on the site, such as the Diablo patch, and we'll have some article recaps, such as uh, the Counter-Strike Global Offensive, and the Darksiders 2 review. We've also got some news around the industry. We've got uh, City of Heroes going down, bad news. Uh, Ubisoft with their outrageous claims of piracy. And we've got some other rumours and coolness, such as Metal Gear Solid Ground Zero and the Guild Wars 2 launch. Okay, so we've had a, quite a busy week down at New Game Network HQ. We've had Evan, who's been at PAX. He tells us, tells us a little bit uh, about that, Evan. I can't believe that I've been missing out on this. I totally missed out on it last year. And got talked into going on Friday. Unfortunately, I didn't have a full weekend pass, but uh, went on Friday yesterday and had an absolute blast. Uh, wasn't, uh, it wasn't quite as costume-covered as certain other cons that I may have dropped by, but I was able to sneak over to the Indie Mega Booth and went crazy with all the indie titles there. There were a lot of big titles that I've been very excited to see and try out and finally got a shot at. Talked to the creator of... Anti-Chamber, if you guys have heard of it, this might be the third-person puzzle shooter that third-person puzzle shooting was invented for. Like, Portal was great, but Anti-Chamber is God. So Uh-oh. This, Uh-oh. this might happen. I only, and I only played 15 minutes of it, too. Uh, it was yeah, absolutely incredible. The man who uh, designed it, I had a nice little chat with him. And he, well, he's Australian. Isn't someone here Australian? No? Well, Ben's Australian. Oh, that's fine. Maybe maybe they know each other. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a small place. (laughs) It it, it is. (laughs) Right. Uh, Tried out Monaco, which is a big indie title coming out. Waiting the line for an hour and got 15 minutes of Dishonored in, which was unfortunately a bit of a disappointment. Maybe it was just that the hour wait. Maybe it was just that it felt a little too much like Bioshock. But, meh. I'll let you guys decide when when that comes out. We have a preview from E3. Oh, really? Yes. You mean a like a preview key? Like a written preview. Like yeah, we uh, we got a chance to play through it. And what oh, were your yeah. thoughts, Alex? Say what were your thoughts? Say it. D- d- by all means, don't don't let me down. Da- yeah, don't let me dampen it. When I say I was disappointed, I was just I was disappointed with the one hour wait. There was a lot great in the game. Ah. Uh. So not so much worth the wait in your eyes, Evan, for that hour. You know, I was hoping for just a. Uh, you know what? I uh, I don't 
I don't know what I was hoping for. It was it was exciting gameplay and it was excellent. Uh, most games are very bad at this, but it was excellent play as you will. Mm-hmm. Gameplay, you, you know, you could go for combat, combat. You could go for stealth. And considering that they give you, you know, on this demo, they give you all of your powers, no training, for 15 minutes. You know, which uh, which demo was that? This is Dishonored. No, like what exactly the level was it the same one that we had at E3. What happened? Uh, I'm not sure which which level you had at E3 again. Well, uh, the one where you had to abduct the, the you had to hunt someone down in their room, abduct them, and take the body out. Yeah, yeah, that's. The I, same I was doing so good, and I thought I was being brilliant because I jumped, I got the body, then jumped in the river. But it turns out the river is infested with piranha or something. <laughs> Steampunk piranha. I ate up the body so I had no body went to the extraction point couldn't extract because I didn't have the body and uh, anyway I think I I think I broke broke but you know it's a demo so that's why he didn't like it (laughs) he failed the mission maybe that's why I felt I thought I was doing such a good job Um, but it was was the kind of thing where uh, you know you fight your way in you use all the cool powers you teleport here and there but then on the way out, I noticed all these secret little passageways and rooftops that I could have taken instead and realized, oh, I could have done this whole level as a stealth mission instead. And instead of trying to block sword blows and take bullets from people and having to restart the game once because I didn't know how to get out of stealth mode and I was, you know, crawling <laughs> up to people while they were facing me. <laughs> like a pro. Yeah, it's tough times. But uh, like I say, that, well, that was pretty fun. Anti-chamber. Play it when it comes out. It's a game that fools with your head. Non, it, yeah, focuses on non-Euclidean geometry, which sounds really boring. <laughs> but no, little, it, you know, it's geometry. Lie, yeah, it's a 3D world where, for example, if you walk into a room with a big pillar in the center, and you walk around the pillar on the left side, you'll go into one room. But if you walk around the pillar on the right side you'll be in a different room, even though it looks from your perspective like it should all be one room. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. yeah. And all the puzzles work off, you know, all the puzzles work off of um, sort of challenging your Euclidean assumptions that way of, you know, you close the door, you open the door, and it opens up to a new room. And so you have to figure out the pattern there. Or, you know, uh, well, one of the best ones was you go down hallway, it says you're gonna, it's going to introduce you to a maze. You go down a hallway, and you can go left or right. Right is blue, left is red, and you have to figure your way out of the maze. And after a little while, you realize no matter which path you take, you it, it brings you back to where you were. You go down the blue path, you come back to the choice. You go down the red path, you come back to the choice. And it drives you nuts. Yeah. So the but way in, out... In a good way, though. Yeah. Uh, anyone guess how you get out of that? <laughs> no, no, no. With the game? No, no. You, you turn around and you go back the way you came. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you, yeah, you get to the you get to the fork in the road. You turn around and walk back the way you came, and that takes you to a new room. Right. Yeah. So that's it, it was uh, it was great. It was a lot of fun. We're on to the next section. The top news of the site. Then there's the sound. So uh, one of the top stories was uh, the next Diablo 3 patch uh, brings the Paragon system. We've also got EA Sports 2012 season ticket program kicks off. Uh, we've got some PlayStation collections available today in the store. And we've got the uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 2 special edition detailed. 
And we've also got the Funcom uh, reveals poor sales for the Secret World. Any hardcore Diablo three fans? A hundred more levels to grind. Okay. Is that basically what it is? Yes. There was also a bit of that uh, Fiora with um, one of the ex Diablo three devs getting a little bit angry. Yeah. Wait. Uh, what happened on there? What's the story? Um, it was on Facebook, um, and I think one of the developers used an expletive towards uh, the X team, was it? No, um, it was the original Diablo creator or, or something. Uh, I don't recall his name. But yeah, one of the current game designers uh, responded to criticism of Diablo 3 by the people that made the original Diablo, I think, or Diablo 2, and how he uh, said it wasn't that good. And so the current designer said, F that guy. And you know. <laughs> And it kind of blew up, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, but it was quickly deleted, but obviously, you know, there's always someone there to screen cap it. You so know, I never, I never thought of it that, uh, never thought of it this way, but someone pointed out to me, on these big franchises where you like to think that it's, you know, there's, there's some, you know, there's some guy who wrote Diablo, who, who came out, up with Diablo, and now he's, you know, still going and writing Diablo 3, but the problem is, all these games that started in the 90s and have now blown up into, Franchises beyond recognition, you know, from the from the way they started, they really are being led by a totally new set of people. Yeah. So you're invariably going to have, yeah, you're invariably going to have friction. So both the Paragon system. Well, I guess if you're a fan of the uh, Diablo game, then you're going to be pretty happy. So it's just uh, more reason to keep playing Diablo. Uh, it just gives you more to grind, though, is the only thing, though, like you said. It doesn't feel, from, from what I've read of it and what I've heard of it, it, it doesn't feel like it really adds, ooh, it's a new twist on playing Diablo. No, it's just it, it's just the same as leveling, because it gets you a couple of better stats every time you upgrade, and then to get to the level 100, it's like, you know, 100 times more than to get to level 1 of Paragon. So it's exponential that way. It's points That's for a lot of Diablo. Yeah, that's a lot of replaying of the same levels four times. Same four levels. And any fans of EA Sports with the season ticket? I'm a fan of EA Sports. Sort of. Depends. Depends on how they do. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on this uh, season ticket? Uh, well, it's good if you're going to buy at least a couple of EA Sports games a year because um, it lets you play three days in advance as a digital download before it releases stores. How much is the ticket? Uh, I think it's... It's a very good question. It's I think it's 30 bucks. And really? Yeah, it basically... Well, and I mean, it's... Like I said, if you buy a couple of sports games a year, it's good value because it lets you play early and it gives you a lot of discount on DLC and it gives you a lot of extra DLC bonuses for free for all those games. So. Excellent. Um, so what about the PlayStation collections, then? Got a few of those coming out. I didn't really quite see what was so special about these. As far as I could tell, it was essentially bundled franchises, right? Yeah, pretty much. Has, hasn't, that right. been, hasn't that been around for forever, I want to I say? Uh, <laughs> not, not for these particular franchises, I guess. Because, uh, yeah, there's been, you know, a bunch of collections uh, for, like, God of War and stuff, but this one in particular, it's, again, a God of War collection, but this one has pretty much everything, including the upscaled PSP games uh, brought on to PS3 now. So it's, I mean, yeah, in, in the infamous collection is also the first one. There hasn't been one before. 
and the Ratchet and Clank as well. Uh, these are HD updated versions that have been released on their own, and now they've been bundled. So it's uh, kind of an, it's, an interesting direction because they're taking a franchise and making. Uh, I don't want to say they're not making a brand name out of it, but they're making a gaming brand name out of it. It's not just the one game anymore. It's a whole series of well, games on different platforms. Yeah, as we're approaching the, I guess console and cycles as well. Now is as good time as any for these collections, right? Roll them out. Yeah, you bundle everything that you got, and you put them out. Why not? You milk it milk it before the cow runs dry. Exactly. It's pretty emaciated cow right now, but, you know, still got a few drops left. Uh, yeah, and it's udders going to get all wrinkled. <laughs> all right, let's, let's, let's your put out visualizations. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, um, and then it's on to the Call of Duty Black Ops 2 Special Edition. Yeah, and you can get some kind of military crate that'd look like it belongs in a Michael Bay movie with some kind of CS gas in it. But yeah. Well, most importantly, you get the flying thingy. You get the spy yeah. drone, man. God. That's what it's really all about. God. Hopefully. It seems, it, it seems like overkill, but... Well, do you recall the night vision goggles from a couple uh, of That's It's the same thing, right, essentially. It's just throwing in something totally crazy. With the game and make it cost two hundred bucks. So it's the same thing when people can. I was in game or somewhere, and you can buy a like pro like glasses to play like. Oh a yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is oh, come on, that's got to be the, one of the biggest wastes of money because they're like sixty dollars. I was Maybe if you're wearing them, you think you're better at playing games, so you do better <laughs> at playing games. Yeah. It's all psychological. <laughs> psychological. It's all yeah. in your head. Yeah, but it's uh, it's uh, one hundred and eighty dollars uh, for the top of the range one, the care package edition. Yeah, which, uh, that's drops. the one with the drone. Yeah, that's where it gets dropped on your head when you're in the street. Honestly, uh, honestly, it really is more of I, w- I want to say it's a symbol. It, it, sort of. Um, well, what was I thinking? Oh, it, you know what it reminds me of? Do you remember those one hundred dollar diamonds that they were selling on TF two? One hundred dollar digital diamonds. Am I right on that? Yeah, that was the right price. The, the point was, people would still buy them, even though it was a digital. It was a it was a hat essentially. You know, it, yeah. you couldn't even show you couldn't even show it off to people. That's what's going on here. It's not like people are buying this and thinking, "Ooh, I can't wait to play with that flying drone." Actually, yeah, I, bet you, <laughs> I bet you there are though. Oh, oh, all right, stand correct. Sure there are because I, I mean, feel... people bought of the night vision goggles thing, and that was cool, I guess. And I mean, the drone, hell yeah! If I had it, I'd fly it everywhere. See, I think I think the appeal though is just you're paying 180 dollars to be an official highest level fan. You know what I mean? I don't mm, to be someone who owns the official drone or the official goggles, rather than someone who can play with, you know, who can see in the dark and <laughs> spy on your neighbors next door. Yeah. But that's because of bonus, like kind of outside of uh, Call of Duty. Well, I suppose the drone does as well. I just realized Call of Duty, the, the hardcore gamers are actually online to be the creepiest stalkers ever. If I had a neighbor who was really into Call of Duty, I'd be worried. Dude, they should have put a camera in that drone. No, nice. oh, that would be perfect. Flying it through a window. <laughs> Girls locker room. Uh, but yeah, you He's get going to buy it now. Yeah, yeah. Make it myself. Just like a paper airplane with like an iPhone attached to it. With probably a smash on the ground before it got anywhere. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but you get um, the collectible Starbuck as well, and you get this. Uh, you get the Trent Reznor soundtrack as well as uh, some coins, 
and some kind of Xbox Live claw avatar prop. That's all standard stuff. Stuff it with offers as much as you can. It's all good. Uh, I didn't. Yeah. I just have to. Uh, I think I, to fully understand it, I'd have to talk to a person who bought it, like in some kind of therapy session, and just say, <laughs> and just say why. <laughs> but, but but I suppose if you you know build it and they will come, somebody will buy that. Somebody yeah. will clear it, clear it off the shelf. So I'm sure they'll be buying. Delicious. Uh, and then. But they they won't be buying the secret world though. No, they won't be. That was an excellent segue. Uh, yeah, we've had some poor sales on it uh, for the MMO, but it is a tough genre to crack. Yeah, especially uh, with uh, subscription-based is what they mean, I guess. They're saying the main problem was that it's, uh, you know, subscription-based MMO, and we've talked about it last episode about how the Old Republic, most expensive game ever made, had to go free-to-play as well, and Funcom couldn't do it with the Secret World, even though they're going to still keep their model, but I'm sure by the end of the year they're going to have to switch to free-to-play eventually. The sad part of the story for me is that they're basing... The thing is, the beta figures were really hopeful, actually. Uh, I think... What was it? They said that... uh, Oh, yeah, less people were playing the game than actually were in the beta? Yeah. (laughs) So, it's... I feel like the moral of the story... This almost makes uh, MMO developers either not want to release the beta (laughs) or... Uh, it makes the, the beta used to be the ultimate advertising campaign, and now it's almost it, it, it could be seen as the reverse. No, what they're saying is people aren't willing to pay for it, I guess, compared to the free beta, right? Unless they played it and didn't like it. Oh, uh, that too. Yeah. But you know, um, I think money has to do with it as well. I guess there are a lot of free-to-play alternatives out there right now. Like as you said, the older public just went free-to-play, so there are there is some competition. It didn't go free to play yet. I think it's going to be like next month. Is it month. free to play level okay. fifteen or something? Uh, no, yeah. it's. I think it's fully free to play. Oh right. Okay. Well, obviously without like you can't do a lot of stuff. I'm sure limited on your gameplay options, but uh, okay. it's not like WoW, whereas WoW is still only up to level twenty. Yeah. And well, interesting enough, Funcom uh, commented on the poor sales because of. Guild Wars 2 coming out, and because of the Diablo 3 Paragon system. <laughs> Excuses. Wow. Alright, then, so we'll go to our article recap. I believe. You believe correctly. I believe Very correctly. confident segue. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, give us a nice, firm uh, MC, you're in charge, let's hear the... <laughs> okay, so, wow. af- so after the top news of the site, the next billing is our article recap, and we've got some interesting games with some even interesting score reviews. More interesting uh, score reviews? More interesting score reviews. You, Don't go. you know, oh, God, the interest. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so it's the article recap. All right, then, so the first uh, article was Binary Domain, which got a 74. There was also Terra Online, which scored an 80. Counter-Strike Global Offensive got an 82. And Darksiders 2 got an 84, and The Amazing Spider-Man review got a what, Alex? A 70? Why? A why? 70. Why me? Can you not see it? It's not there. What? Dude, I can see it. I can't I can see, see it. I can't see the 70. Oh. <laughs> okay. <You want? laughs> well, okay. Technical <laughs> issues. Technical issues. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, we have here... Uh, 
me for Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Uh, hello, my name is Alex, the Counter-Strike Global Offensive. And it is the new Counter-Strike, uh, the longest-running, most popular PC shooter ever. And it's back with a vengeance, but really it's more like Condition Zero in a way that it's more of a spin-off than uh, a revolution of the series. Um, you know, the way that Condition Zero added things like shields and cool, interesting, different weapons, the same way that Global Offensive adds things like Molotov cocktails and decoy grenades and things like that. So decoy grenades. Yeah. What they it. <laughs> what it does is it actually messes with your opponent's radars and kind of shows them where you are, where you aren't, type of thing. Because because this is still Counter Strike, it's still a tough as nails. You need skill to play shooter uh, in the same way that all of the others have been. And from what I understand, it's going to be quite a push to get it out uh, and popular on consoles because I mean PC never really had a problem because Counter Strike Source and 1.6 are still the number one games on Steam all the time. But, you know, it never really took off on consoles, so that's kind of Valve's push into that market, um, which is reflected by the, you know, radial menus and friendly introduction to the game with a training course, things like that. That, that actually kind of worried me a, a little, because uh, I read in your review you mentioned that it feels like the game has been tailored a little more towards... <sighs> console players. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> no, no offense. I, lo- I love you guys. You all know that, but, uh, but yeah. Does that? I want to say, does that sacrifice any of the PC gameplay? Does no. it feel like you know another cross-platform shooter? No, I don't think that's the case at all. It's uh, still tough. I mean, I haven't had a chance to play it on consoles. But, I mean, as far as I understand it, it's the same game. So, having played it on PC, it's still it's still Counter-Strike. The, the only concessions they made is stuff like menus, and, you know, they made uh, all the menus really easy, and it's all matchmaking-based now. Uh, although on PC, of course, you can still go into custom servers and, you know, play the mods and play custom maps and things like that. So, but um, as far as, I guess, its whole existence, it's not... Uh, I don't want to say it's unnecessary, but it's not uh, required because Source and 1.6 are still dominating the PC market. So as far as, you know, market push, it's really for consoles. Okay, any other okay. reviews? I'm ahead. also here, yeah. I, I reviewed uh, Darksiders 2 this last week, and uh, even though it has some problems, I thoroughly enjoyed the game. It just has such excellent pacing. You're all, it, you're never doing one thing for too long. Like you might be uh, doing a straight puzzle for uh, 15 minutes, and you'll finally get through it, and you'll feel really, really good because you uh, got the puzzle sorted. And uh, instead of throwing you into another another puzzle, like a straight puzzle game, you'll have a platforming sequence that's going to be a lot of fun, and or maybe you'll have a, a boss fight. So it never really has you doing the same thing for too long. It does try and turn itself into a bit of an RPG, though. Like, you level up now. There's a full-on Diablo-style loot system, and I don't think they're too intrusive, but the one thing I wasn't really so sure on was they had uh, kind of these hub areas in the game where you could go in and talk to people and trade for better items and sell your old items. And you usually had to kind of ride your horse between the dungeons and uh, these hub areas. 
And I felt like that kind of was a bit of padding, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, apart from a little bit of padding here and there, I thought it was a, a really solid game. I mean, it took me a good 20 hours to play through it. Uh, and that was a pretty uh, quick playthrough, so I'd highly recommend it if you like action-adventure puzzle platforming type games. What would you say it's similar to? Well, the first Dark Siders. <laughs> yeah, first Dark Siders. I know I've, I've never played uh, the Legend of Zelda games, but I've heard it compared to that in the past. Right. But uh, I guess it has the puzzle elements are kind of all over the place. Like it, uh, it borrows from Portal, and I think it borrows from an indie game called uh, The Ball or something like that. Because there's a bunch yeah, of puzzles in Dark Siders where you roll a big stone ball into slots. But uh. Cool. It borrows heavily from all kinds of games, but it, it brings everything together in, a, I guess, a, a fairly unique way. They, they never use, uh, I want to say, your RPG uh, stats never help you in the puzzles, do they? That's one area that I've always wished people would explore a little more. No, they don't. Uh, honestly, I, don't, I didn't find the stats relevant at all to anything. Like, uh, I suppose they made the game better, or like easier as you progress, you needed better gear. You know, but I never actually bothered to even look at that row of numbers. <laughs> On the right, you know, we have your character level and your defense yeah. and strength. And strength. I, I never really cared. Like, I, what does strength do? I don't even know. I think strength it gives you more damage. Anyways, I think, yeah, a lot of the stats, like, I, I never, like, for instance, I never really understood what arcane defense or arcane damage was. I, I don't really understand that. But some of the things are kind of useful, like, like uh, plus, like, Plus 94 health on a kill. I mean, yeah, I, I can understand yeah. that. And if you want to choose between that or a weapon that does, like, 30 fire damage when you strike enemies. So there was there was some relevant choices to be made when uh, looking at loot. So worth a play. I'd say so, yes. Excellent. And Evan is here with Frozen I'm here. Stuff. I did review Frozen Synapse. Uh, yeah, we could talk about that. It's not a new game, but it is. Uh, it, the thing is, it just came out with some DLC, and we didn't have a review of it. So I thought, oh, good time to pop in a review. Yeah. All right. Let's it. No, it's a good. It's a. Oh boy. Uh, how can I put this? It's a polarizing game. If you like the idea and the genre, it is uh, squad-based, turn-based combat. So, similar to the original XCOM, similar to XCOM Enemy Unknown, which is going to be coming out. You touched on it last it, week, didn't you? Yeah, I touched on it, but I don't think it made it into the podcast, did it? Uh, That's why a, a I, I wouldn't have added it. Yeah. Uh, but that was just that, some uh, just some brief thoughts about it. You were talking about uh, just how it was ported. Was it a Swedish developer? No, it turns it? out it was... Sorry, are you ready for this? Go on. No, Swedish no, it developer. made it to the podcast last time. Oh, it did? Sure. Okay, well then... Well, then maybe you shouldn't talk about it. I can't tell. Oh, yeah. What were you saying about how the translation was crazy and it turned out... Well, tra- well okay. Then translation issues aside from the last podcast, and uh, I found out it was actually a British developer. Casca <laughs> um, just can't get a hold of the English language. <laughs> I know. Uh, it trans- yeah, weren't so much translation issues, but writing issues... Had some yeah had some big problems and the visual style might not suit you but the gameplay is very particular it's uh, it focuses in on very human second guessing strategy the winner of the game is the guy who can figure out what your opponent is going to do and how your opponent is thinking 
and that can make it feel a little bit luck-based some of the time because of the way the game is set up, where each player takes their turn, and then they both submit the turn at the same time and see what occurs, uh, you know, see how it plays out. But it makes you feel, once once you get uh, playing against human opponents and starting to become moderately competent, it makes you feel like that mastermind that you always see in the movies who, aha, I knew that you were going to put all of your eggs in one basket. <laughs> I was waiting for you. I drew you off with my decoy person. You thought that I was weak, but really I had put all of my shotgun infantry around that corner, and when you turned around the corner, you were dead. And, uh, you, the whole game is setting up little traps like that. Yeah, I played Frozen Synapse, and uh, yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun to uh, correctly uh, guess what your opponent is going to do next. Mm-hmm. Uh, only couple, the downsides there are if that's not your piece of cake. There's really not much that Frozen Synapse offers. Uh, there aren't many. There aren't a lot of unit types, and you might feel when you're playing like it's luck based. You know, you'll walk around the corner, and maybe the guy will be there, maybe you know, maybe he won't. When it really gets down to it, it's probably because you didn't think it through and didn't plan enough and didn't have contingency plans. But you could walk away feeling that way. You could walk away thinking, oh, well, this is just, you know, this is just a game that depends on who happens to get the shot off first. All right, then. So from frozen synopsis to some uh, heated news around the industry. Let it melt. Yep. All over the place. Oh. Okay, then. Okay, so we've got some news around the industry. Just a quick recap for the beginning. We've got Ubisoft claims that 95% is their PC piracy rate, and uh, F2P is just as profitable. We've also got City of Heroes studio going down after a while, and we've got uh, some collusion around League of Legends gaming in uh, their esports matches, and we've got Steam Greenlight launching. So, on to the first which is uh, Ubisoft's, some would say, quite ludicrous claim <laughs> of uh, the 95% PC piracy rate. I did some maths that I'm proud of on that Excellent. news article. Get the tracker out. Can you, yeah, give us the, uh, I want to say, rough estimate of your maths. Well, my maths, basically, if what they're claiming was to be true, then they would actually make more on PC alone than what they made on across all their platforms in the last quarter. Or wow. any quarter, really. So, you know, they made, um, like, $130 billion across all their sales, and what if what they're saying is true, then they would have paid, like, $180 billion on PC alone. <laughs> but most of that pirated, right? Well, apparently. Wow. A hundred and twenty billion pirated man. So much. Maybe they're just way, way more popular than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a story that was received very well in any comment sections anywhere. It was quite a, quite a, quite a discussion, a one-sided discussion, I might add. What really holds me back on reading that is that they didn't, they didn't exactly say how they came up with those numbers. Uh, I'll say like, that <laughs> Yeah, is what, what I'm thinking, especially because it's piracy. You know, it's one of those things that, what, what you sign people up and say, hey, register here to be on the pirate <laughs> network, and, you know, we'll... Well, uh, there, there's ways to do that. I mean, if 
But torrents, you can check yeah. the seeding rate and things yeah. like yeah. that. But that uh, I, I guess that makes a good point. But yeah, that also but, assumes that everyone who pirates, like one pirated copy equals one lost sale, and that everyone who pirates the game doesn't buy it later on, because I'm sure there are a lot of exceptions there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's no question that this is pretty wild. Uh, but I think it's the, the area of piracy is such a kind of muddy and clouded subject that it's a... Uh, Not for uh, Ubisoft. Ubisoft well, says everybody's a pirate. Uh, yep, we're all criminals. It's crystal clear. <laughs> yeah. So let's put the uh, online-only DRM and see how things do, and delay everything by three months on PC. Because that totally solves the piracy issue, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The, the thing is, this is mostly overseas piracy that they're dealing with, isn't it? No, they never specify mm-hmm. territories. They assume it's clear. Yeah, but I mean, in the in the industry in general, isn't it the sort of thing where, oh, if only. You know, we had more. I want to say government intervention or stronger piracy laws, and all in all these foreign countries that are making bank, like Singapore or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, is it the kind of thing where once piracy laws get up and going, like in 20 or 30 years, could uh, could the standard release model suddenly be more profitable again? You think? No, because people will find a way. Well, yeah, if, if somebody did, doesn't want to pay for a game, then they will go about their way to get it. But, like, with most things, it's about bringing, you know, it direct to the consumer, as hassle-free as possible, I think is one of the key things. Yeah, like, you have to it. make them, like you said, Peter, you have to make them want the game to buy it, right? Not to jump through a million hoops to get it for free, but just say, ah, oh, man, you know, it's so easy to just get it, with however much it costs. With a PC, look, obviously, like... Um, the Witcher 2 got a lot of good press for its uh, no DRM. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, again, contributed to people buying the game. Um, as well as, you know, people, you know, talking about it, which then gets the model out, and then the more people know about the game company is, like, good, in quotation marks, then, uh, you know, people will be less inclined, you know, to pirate, maybe, perhaps on a, a moral basis. Because, you know, the company is trying to make it as easy as possible for you to have this game with as less hassle. Yeah. As possible, which which is a good model, and like why Steam does so well, especially with its sales and just the easiness of being able to deliver content to a person. It's the same thing that um, TV studios and things are going with, and that kind of media industry. And um, but it's because they're quite archaic in the way they do sales and things. Then it's well, not it's always playing in their favour. Interestingly enough, I mean, it's only Ubisoft that kind of has these weird. Restrict, restrictive scenarios. Like I don't, mean, nobody, no, no, nobody else. Extent. No, nobody else is that bad. You know, I don't know why, but that's kind of how they've been doing things for a while now. And uh, yeah, it's weird. I know, but like I said, they they seem quite afraid of this number, and of un- maybe perhaps unafraid um, to do something, afraid to do something about it, because putting up more and more walls and you know hoops to jump through. On the face of it, you know, may seem more difficult to power a game, but if somebody wants it, then they'll do their darndest to obtain it. We've also got uh, City of Heroes uh, being shut down. The team of Paragon who maintained the game um, have unfortunately had to uh, let it go. And it's oh, did they get creamed by uh, what was the Marvel equivalent? I'm trying to remember. Uh, or was it Marvel? No, DC Universe Online. Oh, I doubt it. 
I don't think that game <laughs> did that well either, because they went... Wasn't the League of Legends that screwed it over? No. I think just the, or is that different? No. Everything? That's, no. You're thinking Heroes of New Earth. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, it's just the decision by the publisher, NCSoft, to shut down the studio and shut down this very long-running MMO who uh, released a couple expansions and then we t- went free-to-play last year. But I guess uh, still not quite enough to bring in profits, so they decided to call it. I remember when it came out. It felt like years ago. Like uh, 2004, I think, maybe? Yeah. Man. So it's, what, eight years old now? Yeah, I, I got it. It was, like, fantastic yeah. uh, character customization, if I remember right. Like you control virtually every aspect of exactly how your character looked and acted and everything. Yeah, I think the only reason I wanted it is because you could fly, but then... The, like, the first skill you could get on that long stepladder to fly was, like, hover, where, you, where you'd, like, have to spend, like, you know, a skill point, and you could hover, like, two inches off the ground. And that, <laughs> that, that didn't make me feel very heroic at the time. I see this image now of Superman zipping along, you know, good, one, one foot off the ground. Hey, guys! Hey, I'm here! <laughs> I could hover. I could. I thought, wow, now 50 more levels. And I can, you know, jump a bit higher. But yeah, it's, yeah. Does, does this mean it has the MMO bubble burst? I mean, uh, just look at the news for today, and even the news for the past couple podcasts. Uh, you know, Secret Worlds going down. Uh, Two Worlds had all these kinds of issues. Uh, Star Wars is going free to play. City of Heroes is shutting down. What's the story here? Did everyone just think that we could, they could be the next World of Warcraft and no one well, yeah, survived? pretty much. Even World of Warcraft is not exactly gaining subscribers anymore. It's on, it's on the but, decline. And, um, unless it's just more spread out and it's, you know, taken yeah, by... I think, I think there's more options now, really, than ever before. Yeah, it's still a... But, like, I think um, the free-to-play with the, the paying, the microtransaction model is getting... That's getting bigger and bigger, especially in a, in casual gaming, as well. That's going to be quite the powerhouse, I think. But I'm not sure whether that's a good thing yet or a bad thing. Yeah, I kind of wonder, like, what's the next phase going to be? It feels like we've been through a business boom and bust cycle on, on MMO, and uh, now are we going to enter the free-to-play and microtransaction model, where just everything is, you know, hooked up to little one-dollar transactions? Yeah, I think it's it's coming. But it's, 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 because it's a really profitable model, that's why, you know, you've had EA jump on it. I think more will jump on it. It's just, it seems difficult to imagine a AAA title doing that um, in, a, in a free-to-play. But, you know, somebody will come along and smash it, and then I think a lot of other people will jump on. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later with Guild Wars 2, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I suppose, then, we should move on to the collusion around... Uh, the League of Legends match um, from the Major League Gaming. Did anybody else hear about this? Yeah. No, what's the story? Was, was that a yes from Alex, sorry? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, uh, basically they w- uh, won't be awarding the first or second place uh, finishes for their summer championship. Um, there was a collusion between two of the final teams, which was Curse, NA, and uh, Team Dignitas. Oh, wow. So the... So the, the these guys are going to get, like, I want to say, kicked, they better be banned from tournaments for... A year or something. No, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think. Uh, really, I think they're just taking away their prize. And that's it. I don't think there's a ban in place. You well, don't want to ban your top two teams. They, they, they were disqualified. Yeah. Um, 
But um, the thing is, I was talking about, which I found, which I found interesting, uh, I was talking to Alex about before, was that I watched a documentary not long ago, uh, which was, um, they talked about sumo wrestling in Japan. And it was the same kind of thing. Teams would lose matches to get specific, specific people into the finals and to maintain rank and prize money. But did yeah, you're you talking about well with badminton. It's, it's, it's it badminton as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. happened where a couple teams got disqualified for uh, purposefully trying to lose. Mm. Yeah, it was hilarious. You're talking about uh, Freakonomics. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, that's yeah, cool. doc- Documentary. Yeah, that's where it reminded me of that, and it's kind of weird to see it um, from like because in Japan it's like big business, isn't it? Um, and to see it kind of leak into that esports, I mean, it's it's all kind of the same mentality in the end, isn't it? It's competitive and there's money at stake. So if people think that they can obtain it easier, then I suppose they'll uh, go to some lengths to do that. But I think it's I think it's really interesting in that kind of uh, esports thing. Last night I was having a conversation with a DCI judge from PAX. We were coming back and talking about this, that collusion and also cheating are, you would think that the higher levels of gamers would take their games more seriously. It's the casual gamers who are honorable in their gaming. Uh, you know, they, it came up because uh, um, I may or may not have been playing in a Magic the Gathering tournament over PAX, and uh, there was a player who played with an illegal deck accidentally and admitted it and came up to the judges. And this was a bit of a hullabaloo, and, you know, they had to figure out what what the rules recording was going to be. And the judge was telling me on the bus ride back that when you put money on it and try to get, have people going pro, that's when people start getting cutthroat and trying to game the system and trying to collude around it. And that's just kind of sad to see. You would hope that, you know, people, are, I, I mean... You know, I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure if League of Legends teams count as pro gamers. I don't know. Is that? I, th- I think well, it's major league gaming, and it's getting televised now, so it's getting it's getting to that rank. I think. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah, you would you would hope that people who go into that are you know love the game even more than you do, but it probably turns out that they're just they're a little more mercenary, maybe. Yeah, I guess at uh, desperate times when uh, this you know cash at stake and things, that people will get a little twisted for it. But yeah, I think it's going to be down hard on this though. I ha- I have no patience for colluders or cheaters. Yeah, but the, the the thing is, I want to see like some kind of expose, like, um, kind of documentary that looks into kind of this collusion in esport gaming, just to see. Because yeah, because you usually think of like you know hardened criminals and stuff like that, you know, betting to like sway boxing matches and things. Well, there's not. I mean, a lot of the games at these tournaments remain one player, so you can't really collude too much. Yeah, whereas but like, this was teams. If, if you examine like things like you know StarCraft and you examine League of Legends and other aspects of competitive gaming to see if there was that kind of you know seedy underbelly led by some you know Korean guy um, in in his mom, in his mother's basement you know threat threat threatening to break some guys like Razor Mousepad if he doesn't throw the match <laughs> or something you know it, it could be quite interesting. You should you should tape that totally. Yeah. In fact, I know a guy in the basement in Toronto. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> you speak in line. Uh, yeah, uh, but from the collusion, uh, something supposedly happier is uh, the Steam Greenlight launches. This is where players can uh, vote for games they want to see, indie games, to go, go into the marketplace. Yeah, we've discussed this before. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's actually happy news. 
Alright then. Because no, no, this is happy news, but no, you tell not, me why not. It's not happy news, because it's not, it didn't turn out the way that we all thought back in when we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Because what uh, our idea, or thought rather, was that it's going to be Valve submitting games that didn't pass their certification, and, you know, giving them all a second chance. That's what we all agreed we thought it was going to be, right? Yeah. What right. it really is, is anybody can go and submit the most random, crappy Flash game and put it up for voting. It's so, a Kickstarter except for Valve. And right now, it looks like the most spammiest Flash game collection you've ever seen in your life. No, well, see, that's a shame. That's where I, I would disagree. I was pleasantly surprised with the kind of games that we were that, that we were pulling up. You're right. There are a lot of really bad Flash games just floating it around. But and there's no there's no quality control. Like people put up jokes like non-existent games or games that are already on Steam. Uh, like the, the the main goal I thought was to make it work easier for Valve, but really all they've done is made a lot more work for themselves on all this quality <laughs> control. I think. Well, okay, you may ha- you may have a point there. That's true. But the thing is, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of games slipping into Valve that really should have been in Valve in the first place. I think. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, things like Slender, all right, which you know is that a mod or a game or you know what have you. It, it wasn't released on Steam, and it really should be. Uh, Minecraft is technically there, but now that you mention it, I'm wondering if that's a joke. Uh, <laughs> Minecraft wasn't on Steam to begin with. It really should be, you know. So maybe this is. Yeah, I kind of feel like this fills in those gaps that Steam wasn't covering. And the thing is, I mean, if these like this is all by player submitted, <laughs> what happens if it gets approved? What if Minecraft people don't want it on Steam? Then they don't have to have it on Steam. But then, what's the point of wasting everybody's time and voting? Like, the, you know, like is, I, I didn't think it was going to be user initiated submissions. That's my problem with it now. Well, it could the users could help weed out. Like the crap, so that only the uh, relatively interesting games. No, 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 no. The... no. I'm not talking about the voting system. I'm talking about users submitting new things oh, up yeah, for okay. vote. Right. So not not publishers or uh, developers. Yeah, I mean, exactly, exactly. I thought it was going to be at least controlled, but it's a free for all out there, man. Yeah, that does seem flawed. Well, I suppose time will tell. I, I looked at it and I couldn't have the patience to go further than like two pages in from all the crap that I saw on there, and I just, I'm not, probably not going to ever use it. Mm. So disgusted. Yeah, I say well, it's just, s- it's just not worth s- my time. I don't see how it can be. Alright then. <laughs> so, uh, moving on from uh, news around the industry, uh, we've got some other rumors and interesting things going on. Okay, so we're on to rumors and other coolness. Um, we've got the Metal Gear Solid Ground Zero's first details, and also the announcement that it uh, shall be becoming a movie with A.V. Arad from uh, Marvel being one of the producers. And we've also got the Guild Wars 2 launch, which has been uh, lighting up the internet. So, uh, so the, yeah. The Ground Zero's, we're still waiting for an official announcement, so there's not much details going around besides what's leaked. Open world. Apparently, yes. Open world, two thumbs up from me. Possible movie, two thumbs down from me. Whoa. Why? Uh, I keep waiting for the good video game to movie franchise transition, and Metal Gear Solid 
is not that movie, I can tell you right now. But you, I mean, you, you don't want a half an hour of a long-winded speech in the middle of, like, a rainstorm. You don't want that. <laughs> I, About you know truth what? and justice. It, it, it would work in something like Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, you know, who plays Metal Gear Solid for the writing? And I do. For <laughs> okay, well, there you go. <laughs> right, yeah, but, 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 but the thing is, it's a fun, pompous journey. Yeah, but that's what every other. I've, I've seen the, pro, the problem with the video game to movie t- transitions has been, yeah, that it's it blow, you know, it's explosions and gunfire, and it's not as much fun as actually playing the game. As and it long feels as like they don't let Kojima write it; they'll be fine. Okay. Yeah, I think you need. Uh, you can get Hayter to write it because he's a, he's a screenwriter. So he, he did, but they said they wanted to distance themselves from the game. So oh, maybe okay. they will. Because that makes sense, right? In in terms of writing. They want somebody unassociated, I think, to that come in. That makes sense, not. Well, uh, K- Kojima, you know, for all his... No, all I know, his, I, it shouldn't yeah. be him, but it shouldn't be somebody unfamiliar with the game, because that makes Oh, no, no, it'll, probably, it'll be probably someone who's got a grasp on it, but maybe you can take all that and, like, you know, really, really trim it down. <laughs> That's what I did with Hitman. Well, Hitman was a good film. It like, was it was okay, oh, yeah. but I, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't Hitman, though. Like, you have to agree, right? No, it could have been a, a you know you could have replaced Hitman with any other assassin. You know you could have thrown Statham in there, and it would have been you know still an entertaining film, even though it didn't really push many barriers. Yeah. Uh, but Super Mario Bros. perhaps one of the best cinematic outings for any video game character. What? The Super Mario Bros. film? Is that a joke? You do not see it's got uh, Bob Hoskins in it and John Leguizamo. Oh, stop <laughs> talking! Stop talking! Go. Read some Ebert reviews, figure out what good movies are, and then, and then come back to the video game industry and realize... Here's the problem. We have genius movie makers. We have genius video game makers. But these two people have never met each other. So, yeah, we're still working on it. Come on, Blizzard. Go out there and make a Warcraft movie. You could do it. Oh, that wouldn't work out. Uh, it's a lovely Blizzard game. games are terrible writing. I'll they do, yeah. But they should make Blizzard should only make animated movies CGI. Yeah, that's what we need. <gasps> a Blizzard's children's movie. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, I can see that working. Yeah, the, the poor writing won't shine out so much. They've already got all the fluffy colors and the James Cameron could direct it. It would be perfect. Oh man, wait, 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 write this down, <laughs> somebody. Okay. But uh, yeah, but um, I think it's interesting. They're in talks, but there's been talks about it for quite some time. So. We'll have to see what materializes, I think, in the future. But I think, you know, this, it's got good stock. Um, unless somebody can think of something that would be perhaps more suited for uh, that kind of conversion. The Max Bay movie disappointed me so sadly. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love Marky Mark to death, but uh, I don't think it was... I know, because the thing is that when they convert them sometimes, they seem to take out the heart of what made it a game, uh, made the game interesting, and then kind of flip it to just make it a mediocre film, which is run-of-the-mill, uh, which I always think is and a shame. they're trying to do the Uncharted movie, which is... Hey, Uncharted, uh, Uncharted could make a good movie. It pretty much Uncharted is. Uncharted is a movie, as long as it just... Oh, yeah, I was going to say that. All they have to do is translate it, but they're not going to do that. That's the problem. Like... You know, some of these game adaptations, all you have to do is just translate it to film. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to go and make new storylines or spin-offs or twist endings. Like, 
the reason these things are popular is because of what they are and their stories and they think that they need to change things to make a movie. I don't, you know, Uncharted, just put it on screen and you got yourself a blockbuster. But no, they're going to probably do something crazy. Like, the original talks, which broke down, you know, the original writer was going to make some kind of family movie about how they're uh, a family of thieves uh, and how they're going after artifact hunting. Uh, that sounds like Spy Kids on the other side of the wall. Yeah, exactly. Makes me hurt inside. Yeah, so it's always going to be a bit of a grey area. But, um, you know, Guild Wars 2 was launched, and there was bans, there was sales, and of course servers were down, as they always are, and then people complained it's about been, it for ages. It's been not bad. Um, it's they're, they're only down maybe on the first day, and that was actually the early start day, so ever since the game actually came out on Tuesday officially in stores, there hasn't been any downtime. So it's actually been one of the uh, smoother launches. Of an but do people expect there not to be downtime? It's like you know having a very small door in a corridor and having people trying to escape a fire through it. It's, <laughs> it's gone a bottleneck, and people yeah. are going to get stuck. Yeah, that's like uh, Black Sunday. No, what is it? Black Friday. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be gone. You, you've got to expect. Yeah, you're, you're going to. Ex- yeah, you're going to expect crowding, and someone's going to get trampled. You know, someone's going to get entered. Well, There's just nothing you can do about it. That's the thing I, I don't understand. Because it's an MMO, like the first game, they do have, you know, servers, the server concept. And, I mean, on launch day, everything was full. So, um, why not make more servers is what I don't understand. Well, maybe there wasn't the servers to make, or maybe it was a costing issue, or maybe they were just... No, what they do is they, they have this system called Overflow. So, if the server you're on is full, it throws you into, like, a copy of your server... And you play as usual, everything you do, you know, accounts, and there's other players there and everything. So why not actually make more servers so people can go and play on more servers? Like, <laughs> if you're already playing on this overflow server thing, so why not just make more servers and get rid of the overflow system? I don't know if that, that's just the strange kind of concept that they did it. It, it, it sure as hell beats uh, server queues, which is, you know, waiting to enter a server as you sit there for hours. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I just don't know why not make more servers. And they did with the update, I think, yesterday. They added three more servers, which are all currently low on people, so they're available to play there. But, uh, and is it any good? I've only played it for a couple of, well, a few hours now. It's, it's I, don't, I don't know yet. Mm. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I've played for four hours so far, and I'll just leave it at that for now. All right. Well, have we got review in the works coming? Uh, probably, yeah. But MMO, it's going to be tough, man. You know, because it's so expensive and big and everything. It's going to take a while. Yeah. Okay. Well, we look forward to that. And the news is that uh, they're really heavy on banning in this game. So if you say something really rude in chat, you get a 72-hour suspension if somebody reports you. And also, if you have... And this is more of a sticking issue. If you have a name that is either potentially insulting or if you've got a name that possibly uh, infringes on the copyright, you also get banned. This makes me want to sign up in Guild Wars and make a particularly creative name. <laughs> and you well, only get... <laughs> you're walking th- that's the thing, though. You're walking a thin line. And so there's a lot of disputes going on about what should be allowed for, for naming, you know. Somebody, like, you know, it's an MMO. Like, if somebody wants to be named Homer Simpson and he gets banned for it, I think that's over the top. 
yeah, that's a bit unnecessary. Well, the article that it was linked to there talked about the ban that was going on because one of the uh, AI merchants was accidentally yeah. selling everything yeah. too cheaply. Low, low prices. <laughs> right, that's and fair. I see your, I see your point your there. Like, if you're walking in MMO and you stumble on, you know, you don't, I mean, maybe you assume it's a glitch. You don't know if it's, you know, nefarious by someone else or whether the, the game people made a mistake or whatever. But what are you going to do? Are you just going to sit back and not buy up all this cheap, free stuff? Yeah. It, feel, it does feel harsh to ban the players who are taking advantage of that. And the last thing they did was they suspended uh, their sales, uh, at least as far as buying it off their website, which is just PR more than anything, right? It's yeah, I want to get your... I want to get your opinion on this, actually, because everyone's com- you know everyone always complains about uh, the server spike and how oh you know should, they should do something to make sure that when you buy the game your servers aren't down for the first forty eight hours or whatever, and this feels like ah okay fine. No, you, it doesn't you, do you anything. Make sure there's no server spike. We're gonna it, just stop selling the game. No, it's just promotional material because that's what they want you to think. Is look, huh, we're so awesome. We're gonna actually cut into our profits and try to preserve the quality of the game by shutting down sales. No, that's not how that works. All they're doing is, is, is boosting demand by limiting the supply uh, as far as the online purchases go. Well, this, uh, this seems less like a game and some, some kind of like West African like dictatorship. Yeah, because you can, still, giving them the grain. you can still go to the store and buy the game and play it, but you can't buy it online because look at us, we're, we're limiting sales to improve user experience. That's just... Star Wars did the same thing, uh, the older public. They, they shut down their digital sales for however many hours because they're claiming they're sold out. How can you be sold out of a digital product? Like, you know, I'm just, I'm really not into that. I don't buy that at all. All the internet tubes are filled. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that at all. You, you know, I was going to buy it for a little while, but just sitting here thinking about it, it made me realize... You know, when you, if you're going to shut down sales like that, it kind of implies that you think things are going to get better somehow. Like, what are they going to add more servers? Well, they, they're something? saying it's going to balance out. Um, for right for right now, we, you know, you can still switch servers for free, so the populations are still spiking everywhere as people try to kind of rearrange where they want to play and stuff. But once that's done, they're going to introduce a payment system, so you have to pay to transfer servers, so that will you know help stop all the spikes going around back and forth between servers and stuff like that. So Clever, clever. Yeah. But it's 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 up now and we talked about, you know, can a subscription or rather free to play scenario succeed? And Guild Wars is not free to play, you actually have to pay a premium sixty dollars to get the game, uh, but it's free to play after that. And we'll see how it it goes, I guess. Mm. Good luck to them. So, that's all the rumors we have. If you could have one game that's already out, you would like to see re-released with some extra, <laughs> with some extra swag. What would it be? What would the swag be? And keep it, keep it within, you know, like 150 bucks. You know, I, so I, what, I, what are you going to get with 150 bucks? Keep it clean, please. Oh, <laughs> just saying. There's M-rated <laughs> games out there. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Do I need to make a bit for this, or are we already like in it? it do make a bit. Okay. Um, no, we're in it. All right, we're it's in not it. Not going back now. In it to win it. Well, um, it was. 
it's kind of the same thing. There was that Final Fantasy collection that came out, but it's like $400. Um, and you get um, all the games on discs, and one, one's even on a UMD. Uh, because, you know, people still hang on to that. <laughs> uh, but that's come out. But um, I'd like to see... I know, um, a Metal Gear Solid one released with a onesie sneaking suit. Yeah. Like, like a slanket <laughs> that I get to put on before I go to bed. And, uh, that's kind of lovely. And, you know, sneak around. Or, 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 or perhaps a cardboard box that comes with it. A cardboard box? That I can, that I can hop in with my slanket, with my s- snake slanket, and then, you know, just drift off and be like one of those sleeping guards. <laughs> I support it. <laughs> so, yeah, that'd be quite comfortable. I, w- I always wish they offered uh, expensive versions of indie games with particular swag, and the one that I would definitely shot 150 bucks for would be a copy of Braid. But here's the thing. Uh, the symbol for Braid on the cover and on the hard release is a giant um, sand, uh, it's like a giant hourglass, Yeah. which is kind of ironic because you never actually see one in the game. They just sort of slap that on thinking, ah, I get it. It's about time. So, you know, we're going to connect that in. But if you gave me a copy of Braid with, like, I want to say a three-foot-tall hourglass... <laughs> I would right. totally buy it. Yeah, I'd be all over it. Sounds of something. Yeah, yeah. interesting. So I could time my steaks that way. Go into the kitchen, tip over, you know, you have to get some effort onto it, flip the whole thing yeah. over, and, you know, start something on the stove. It's an exercise routine in itself. It, it is, yeah. yeah. And, and talk about a conversation piece when people come <laughs> in, and you can be like, this represents my mortality. Yeah. How much time do I have left? And then, you know, it ends by, you know, you're crushed by it in your old age when you're seen up <laughs> trying to cook a steak at 95. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'll be buried with my hourglass. Not this, this way. This is so symbolic, yeah. <laughs> this is how I die. Yeah, it would be quite symbolic, wouldn't it? It would like being crushed to death by a giant clock. And it, I'm just saying, it would be so unique. You know, people would be coming over with their... You know, uh, what, flying drones, and uh, <laughs> someone sent out a game with uh, brass knuckles, didn't they? Like, seriously, you're going to show off your brass knuckles? But I would show off my, my three-foot-tall hourglass. I would be so proud of that. Carry around. Uh, I think I'd go for uh, an, another copy of Red Dead Redemption if they threw in, like, a huge leather duster or like, a trench coat or something. Yeah, ponchos. Uh, or a horse. Or one of those on. Or a horse. Or a horse. It comes with a horse. <laughs> And a pony! <laughs> yeah, that would make it worthwhile. That would be yeah, awesome, that. dude. You walk out of the store leading a pony, and the pony is holding the game in its teeth. <laughs> You're just like a king of the world, man. Else. $200 could be a bit of a stretch, though, for that. Yeah. Well, it doesn't include any upkeep costs, of course. The <laughs> initial purchase price is fine. I think they're pretty expensive horses. So if you if you kept it to just the coat, you could put in uh, the skinning knife. And so those two together, that would work. Yeah, nice. that would be good. Well, I was going to say something like include a rifle with Grand Theft Auto, but that's kind of obvious. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Keep well, I, I, supp- I suppose they could give you the cell phone, and then, you know, like, um, you'd press one, and it'd have, like, a Roman's voice, and then you'd press two, it'd have somebody else's voice, give little sound bites. You're, you're a robot. Sounds like a kid's toy or something. Mm. GTA 4 for kids. The one that I would, I think would be funny, actually, is uh, with copies of Infamous... They should include one of those wrist straps, you know, that you put on the inside of your arm or inside of your hand, and then you shake hands with people and it would, like, shock them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that, would be, that would be perfect. Oh, and an Assassin's Creed retractable dagger. 
<laughs> yeah, but that would be okay. not as not as stealthy, I think. Hey, friend. <laughs> Stab him in the wrist and you shake his hand. Yeah. That's my boss. Very subtle. Yeah, so that would be uh, pretty sweet. But you can get um, the Assassin's Creed hoodies, which look pretty cool. I think you can get as well. Bet you can. Uh, I do support those. Those are pretty awesome. So I suppose uh, we've reached the end of uh, this audiological journey, haven't we? What a journey it has been, yes. Yeah, yeah, from the uh, infantile steps of uh, podcast number one to the uh, blossoming, mature being. That is uh, is episode number 12, this is? Yes. So episode number 12. All right, and as a special, after this week's episode, there will be a bloopers reel, because, you know, the gaming gods know that we've got a lot of content that doesn't get aired for uh, obvious legal reasons, so that should be included on a nice little set. And then two weeks after that, we will be returning uh, for what we are tentatively calling season two of the new game Netcast. So uh, we hope to all see you then. Pew, pew, pew. Did it, Ma? Please remember to visit www.newgamenetwork.com for the latest and greatest video game news and reviews.